Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Asma, who identifies as a Moroccan-born, French-adopted, queer digital nomad who likes to slow down. Hey, Asma, it's so wonderful of you to join us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You are a catalyst, and that means you are a facilitator, a consultant, an artist, a writer, and a designer, and you work around identity, leadership, systemic change, and regenerative futures. You identify as a Moroccan-born, French-adopted, queer digital nomad, and you use all those labels to build bridges and collaborate with people all around the world, basically. That is quite a mouthful. <laughs> This podcast, though, is not really about what you do, but more about how you relate to yourself. And my first question for you is a bit different than what I usually do, because I've worked through the list of people that I could come, come up with to interview, and then I put out a little balloon there saying like, hey, we're looking for people to be in a podcast. And you said, I want to be on this podcast. And so I'm curious, what made you decide to want to be on this podcast? Well, I, uh, it's a very good question. I actually really care about the topic for different reasons uh, that we're going to uh, talk about. I think it's a very important topic to raise. And I also really have kind of a point to say and to explore about this relationship to self um, and the way it is um, addressed as a very important topic for our mental health, my own mental health, um, but as well the community part of it. And We often forget the importance of community in the talking about uh, relation to self. So I think I was like, yeah, I want to be part of it. And I, I want to say that too. <laughs> beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for, for reaching out. I think this is absolutely beautiful. So yes, um, you really care about the topic. Let's talk about the topic relating to self. What does that mean to you when you hear it? It is quite, uh, I have a lot of ideas that come to my head. Uh, the relating to self uh, is how do you, how do you perceive yourself, uh, your confidence in yourself, uh, the imposter syndrome that most women or people who identify as women <laughs> have kind of suffer from or uh, have and the love that we have for ourselves and 
yeah, I could go on and on and on <laughs> with the list. Um, but I think that's, that's already a good summary. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I like this, uh, this focus on the perception of yourself from the inside, right? I think that's, that's a very relevant kind of way to speak about relationship to self. And then obviously you end with the love we have with ourselves. That's beautiful. If you don't mind, I would like to dig into that a bit first, because love for me is such a complicated word. It means so many things that it almost doesn't mean anything. And so when you say the love that we have for ourselves, what does that mean for you exactly? Like, how do you perceive that love or how do you foster it or what do you do with it? It is a work in process, <laughs> I think. Um, it is also something, the love for myself is something that I'm uh, more and more aware of. And I'm also starting to understand differently since the pandemic, um, like where a lot of fear, anxiety uh, took over, not only me, but the whole world where I also experienced the loss of a dear friend and kind of made me really reflect on the sort of metaphysical <laughs> aspect uh, and understanding of love. So, and the whole thinking that when we loving ourselves, just thinking ourselves as this body and this individual is for me not enough as a concept. And uh, it means loving everything and everyone and um through that loving yourself so it's kind of a mirroring uh way of being because it's not an action love you can't do love you just love um and and i'm also realizing that for people who have faith, which I'm not sure that I have faith, maybe I have a form of faith. Um, this love for self is a love for the, the universe. And this is something that I'm really striving thought towards. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting question that you raised there. The idea of faith and how it relates to relating to self. I, I have a very personal opinion on that which is actually very simple. I believe that for almost everyone who is someone of faith, who believe in some kind of a, call it the God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. For me, that is always something internal. I, I don't think anyone really has a relationship with a God or the universe as an external source of something. It's not like, God speaks to people from the outside, from a burning bush or anything like that, or the universe gives you information from the outside. For me, those are inside sources, right? And so when people talk about like, yeah, I have a relationship with God, I translate that automatically into, I relate to a part of myself. And that part for me is something like my higher self or my better self, the part where my intuition comes from, the part where I feel this, this idea of like, love for everyone, right? I think each of us as a human being has that inside of ourselves somewhere deep down. We feel this kind of like unconditional love for people, for things, for the world. 
But of course, there's many other parts that kind of like muck up that love. <laughs> and so if we connect to that love, then you can call that a relationship with, with a God or universe or whatever you want to call it. But that's kind of like how I see that for myself. And I'm curious if you're, because you said you're not sure that you have faith, but maybe you have some sort of faith. Um, I'm curious if what I just explained resonates with you or if you have a different vision perhaps of that. Um, yeah, what you explained definitely resonates with me. Um, and I think the, the moments where I doubt or lose faith is, uh, are the highest moments of despair, uh, that I, that I get into and I, I believe we all get into, and it's, uh, it's quite interesting because it's something that you do experience through practice. If you, if you meditate and also through to reading and through just experiencing like beauty and love in small moments, if you, if I am in the nature, um, which I, I'm very lucky to live in. Um, but I just go in and out of it. And I think that's, uh, that's the biggest challenge is this. I, kn I know it's there. I know how it feels like to, um, to be in love and in awe, but it's not a constant state and it's a state that I can easily drop out of. So I love that you brought <laughs> awe to the table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's such an interesting concept. I remember um, attending a lecture about awe, and uh, there was a, a PhD researcher who was doing research around awe and the the workings of the brain, basically. And she said that awe is the single best predictor of happiness. Like people mm -hmm. who subjectively feel that they're happy in their lives, they have consistent moments of awe. And like you said, I think those are accessible through meditation or being in nature or anything like that. But I'm wondering if you have a awe practice or something like that. Like, is there a way in which you try to experience awe in your life? Well, um, meditation, definitely. Uh, and not, uh, I mean, I did a Vipassana course a few years ago, I loved it um, because it's a yeah pretty it's a pretty intense way to to get a feeling of of awe. Um, but the the discipline of the practice on a long term basis doesn't work for me. It doesn't um, the rigor and the discipline. So I kind of try to find little moments uh, of feeling this awe, just like pausing. <laughs> kind of getting out of my mind in a normal day-to-day -day life. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's really having these little moments. I breathe, I observe, I slow down. And even if it's like for two minutes, five minutes, uh, it's very helpful. Um, it, it works well for me. I think being... Yeah, there, there is being in awe and there is like help not having your mind constantly talking. And so being in awe would be really like uh, nature, like uh, just remembering to 
be and watch the sun, the sky, the birds, <laughs> the trees, the water, um, and the internal peace that you get through pausing and music and all these like soul nourishment moments. Hmm. Yeah, I really like that you mentioned slowing down as like one of your methods of of reaching that state. I think that's definitely also consistently one of the things that I'm doing now, which is very helpful. Like whenever I feel tension, I slow down. <laughs> and and very often that's that's enough. Just the act of slowing down kind of resolves tension in itself, even if you don't understand where it comes from or anything like that. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I love that you're also honest about the fact that this, you know, the the discipline, the rigor of the meditation practice doesn't really work for you, but then you, you build other kinds of moments in your day in which you have similar experiences. Uh, I think that's beautiful. And I think that's also maybe a relief for many people who are listening, because I know how difficult it is to have a consistent meditation practice. It's, it's really a practice and, you know, I'm, I'm in that practice. I have a meditation practice, but ob obviously sometimes I, I stumble and then I, I don't. So yeah, I, I like you giving yourself permission to just decide that the practice is too hard. I'm just going to find something else. That's, that's a beautiful example of a good relationship with yourself, I would say. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like this compassion with myself, uh, yeah, way, way of, I really like the giving permission, uh, just accepting that uh, this is, this is the way I am. And this, it's kind of like a patchwork of uh, practices instead of like one main practice. I realize that I get joy from many small different things, joy and awe and peace and um, yeah, just by accepting the irregularity for me that, that works well and just, yeah, different ways, as you said, because sometimes I can, I feel that in the, uh, that's my critic moment <laughs> in the, in the self love and, uh, self care movement, uh, globally, there is a, a lot of performative pressure, uh, to be, to take care of yourself on your own or to use the self-care to be more efficient, uh, which is kind of the dark side of, yeah, of the, the concept really. There is, al there is always a dark side. And, um, uh, and this is why I kind of really said at the beginning, the community part is super important. So yeah, mm. being, being with friends is also an awe. <laughs> moment. Beautiful. Let's dive into that because you mentioned it from the very beginning. And I think indeed community is such a, a beautiful aspect of our lives as humans. And you related to your relationship to yourself, the, the way you are to yourself. This has been mentioned before in a podcast a couple of times. I remember my conversation with Sonia, who also said something like for her relating to self is very much also relating to others because that's how she mirrors herself, like to know what's going on in herself. She needs others around her somehow. And so I'm really curious about what that looks like for you. Like, how do you integrate community in your relating to self? Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's interesting because, uh, um, 
quite a, I did quite a lot of work on therapy <laughs> with that in my need for validation from others, uh, which is maybe the dark side of the community part of not even community of the, uh, the, the others in your, your way to relating to yourself. But when I meant community is more the support system, like having a support system that you can rely on and also that you're accountable for and that you have responsibility with. And that's, that's a community um, for me. And that gives very strong, at least it gives me uh, a very, um, it's a very important part of my life and of my well-being and of, um, yeah, just my mental health. It can be conversations. Uh, WhatsApp check-ins. I'm I'm in the other side of the world where I got stuck <laughs> coming on holidays uh, 16 months ago. So that has really deeply helped me to redefine really my <laughs> how do I uh, relate to my community. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm I'm curious about how you've built that for yourself because that was one of the main difficulties that I was faced with when I started recognizing the importance of a community of a support system and so on naturally for me that was hard because part of my trauma is that i can't ask for help so i'm i've always been someone who wants to do everything on their own and this like need for independence and autonomy was really strong in me so i think it would be helpful if you give us an overview of how you've built community and a support system for yourself oh i think it's um uh it's actually <laughs> because I also was, it resonates with me a lot, the need to be independent and never asking for help um, is because I crashed <laughs> um, mentally and in, in every way in my being that I realized the importance of asking, of just sharing, of like showing uh, to my loved ones. I'm very lucky to have an amazing family and have, friends around the world, even though I'm not in touch with them physically, um, even though we're in different times, I was just sharing that I'm not really doing well. Um, but also being there for them. Uh, but knowing that, yeah, probably in the last year, uh, I was more asking for support than giving support because also you have to know that it's a cycle community. I feel that the reason why I, um, I wouldn't ask for help is because you, you, you don't get to see the overall, like a bigger picture timeline of like a relationship and friendship that it's actually the long term that actually, um, that's what you have with family or friends that are like family built over years distrust and confidence knowing that um the state where you are in a certain present moment doesn't fully define you that you're more than that and that it's actually a state that, that you have different states and then you can navigate them and i think that's the biggest challenge um for travelers or people who have uh, migrated a lot like I see uh, yeah I um like me and maybe you I guess um it, it is 
that yeah relationship with and with people take time and it's uh, difficult to to reinvent that in a way with the virtual uh tools and the physical distance um so it's also very important to have your local community um uh, whatever whatever it is and to make efforts to build that as different as this community might feel for you I think that's my learning of this year, being steady in the same place for uh, a year and a half. So have you actually also built that kind of community where you currently are? I'm starting to. It's been really hard because I, uh, yeah, I, I did not have this community. I did have a, a partner. I do have a partner, which is um, very strong, like very important, but also realizing we can't one person can never be a community um so it, it yeah the, the biggest learning is that it takes time it takes time it takes giving and recognizing and waiting and i think it's been very challenging in in this year where our social contacts have been so limited <laughs> yeah i think a blend of like virtual and real life <laughs> yeah this this resonates a lot. It's, it's very uh, present in my life right now, this question of how to build that for myself. Um, so thank you for sharing. I think it's really beautiful the way you emphasize that the way to build it is just being vulnerable, is actually sharing that you're not okay. And then showing up when people do the same to you and being there to support them. I think that's a very beautiful condensation of the principles of building community <laughs> and, and building relationships basically. Right. And for me, I want to reflect again to the relating to self that, that kind of like follows the same system. Almost. I feel that for me, it's only when I was able to be vulnerable to myself, which means to acknowledge that I'm not doing well, to acknowledge that there are things in my life that are difficult. And then to actually show up for, for myself in those moments, <laughs> that also has allowed me to build that kind of relationship with myself, I guess. I love that you also emphasized this trust and confidence in the longer term picture. That is definitely something I struggle with because you said over the past year, you know, you've asked more than you were able to give. That is such a next level skill, Asma. I am in awe of your ability to do that because I'm like, I'm okay with asking, but I need to have the feeling that right now I'm at least giving as much that I'm asking, right? So this, which means simply that I, I don't have that trust and confidence yet in like the, the bigger cycle picture where, where you understand and you know that in the future you will be there for these people when you have the capacity to do that. And maybe when they are struggling and that's so beautiful. I definitely want to learn from, from that. So great. I'm, I'm curious about some other thing because speaking to you, it sounds as if your relationship to self is pretty well developed and, and you have these different ways to give yourself what you need and you have a community, you have support. Is there anything that is still particularly difficult for you in the way you relate to yourself? Oh yeah. I'm still, um, uh, it's like big work in process. So I, I struggle with a, a lot of, uh, hard judgment with myself, uh, a lot of 
the opposite of empathy. <laughs> uh, I don't know the word. And um, so it's quite, uh, it's kind of a, a daily, weekly struggle, uh, not struggle, but work. I really think that it's, uh, it's, it's work actually to to remember to practice to notice these moments where you're not compassionate with yourself uh, and yeah so that's that's probably <laughs> the struggle that i still have how do you do that work because i think you're absolutely right you know that's the that's the work to keep doing it but what does that look like for you do you have like a specific practice to do that work Or is it more something that unfolds organically? It's, I think it's a blend of both. Uh, so there, there are, I mentioned earlier, the practices that give all. That's definitely something that helps. The slowing down, meditating, posing, doing things that I love and I enjoy. Giving um, yeah, art <laughs> for me, like playing music, listening to music, writing. and. Um, also um, practitioners and therapists. So I have, I've had my amazing emotional coach, healer, uh, who lives in Berlin that knows me for seven years. So it also, uh, and he's been very helpful this year. I did therapy, um, traditional therapy, like there are different tools out there. And I think, uh, At the moments where you lose this uh, alignment with yourself or I lose my alignment with yourself, I realize why am I not getting this help? So the help is like not already from my community, but from professionals I trust and that I and the just the fact of doing that is actually uh, part of the work <laughs> going, contacting someone, creating this relationship and and uh, and then doing the work with the therapist practitioner the other um very important uh, practice uh is actually the body uh movement and finally so i i do yoga and like soft movement but what really did me amazing <laughs> in the last months because it's probably been a month that i'm i feel more aligned um is heavy workout <laughs> like intense training uh sweating and building muscles and doing that consist consistently i'm not a very good at routines but i just commit to go at least three times a week so that has shown up in mostly most of the time three times a week sometimes two and it makes me very happy And I do it, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, the stuff that you you wouldn't really put in the relation to self or mental health. For me, it has been really transform. It is transformative so far. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, Asma. And yeah, I can I can very much relate, especially to the last thing you said. I've finally been able to go back to the gym. Uh, before COVID started, I was pretty much into that. And I, I love it as a, as a practice also, you know, it's, it's something that for me is almost spiritual going to the gym in the sense that I, I try to really pay attention to my body and to what my body is doing and how I react during the exercises. 
and I've missed it so much during during COVID when uh, all the gyms were closed. And so now I've been I've been going back, and that feels so so good to nourish that part of me of myself again. Yeah, and to feel your body changing, it's definitely I can relate to that. But there's one thing I would like to know a bit more about. Um, something that you mentioned that is also very important to me, and that I have missed thoroughly and still miss, I guess. And that is art. Art as a way of doing the work of relating to self as a connective practice. So I'm curious, is there any specific art that you relate to more? Uh, are there any specific artists that feel that you feel give you a better understanding of yourself or what does that art practice look like for you? I think there is the both consumption and creation <laughs> of, of art or, um, although I don't like the word consumption, but just being um, surrounded by art. So, well, you have like the art of nature. It's amazing when you don't have access to actually people who, who craft and show their creativity in a way and share their creativity in a way. Um, music, definitely. I see that you have a keyboard behind you. And I'm like, um i yeah i i play music sometimes i enjoy it very much um singing i got into singing as well it's very releasing um i used to do i mean performance art around like healing and um energy healing and letting go and sexuality and of uh, i did a little bit of that online last year, but it's, uh, um, it was for a grant. So it actually didn't bring me joy, uh, and, and the peace of mind. Uh, I really did it. It was my, but the fact that it was a project that was the timeline and deadline didn't feel like art. So I think I realized for me, art really needs to have like, no, <laughs> no purpose or, uh, you know, deadline, or it's just, uh, well, actually, I'm just going to sit now and like sing or play ukulele or read or write, which uh, are my favorite form of arts. Dancing is also, um, yeah. So yeah, doing all these things alone. Uh, and now starting to do them with people again is amazing. Uh, and yeah, it makes me realize that if art is a individual and internal process, it is also um, like a, definitely a community <laughs> uh, experience and process as well. So both need to kind of be present. Mm, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> for for context, you maybe not know this about me, but I've been a professional musician for about two decades. Um, I was a composer and, and, a, and a singer, so performance art was definitely also super important for me. And I guess I do miss some aspects of of that life. I've never really felt that I was missing a part of myself or anything like that. But I feel I almost miss the consuming part, as you would call it, more than the creative part, like as feeding myself the nourishment of going to a dance performance and just 
absorbing what someone else has made or going to a museum, seeing a wonderful exhibition, all those kind of things. I never really realized, I guess, how important that was to me as a, perhaps as an experience of awe or something. It's more almost related more, I feel for me to a certain quietitude. It's like something that makes me quiet inside like we're walking through those spaces and, and absorbing the art. And so over the past year and a half, I've done well almost none of that because it wasn't really possible. And I really viscerally feel that desire to like be in a beautiful museum again and see, see interesting art or go to a dance performance. And yeah, I, I hope I will be able to do that again soon ish. <laughs> Asma, wonderful. I'm also really interested in how you see the development of your relationship to yourself towards the future. Is there anything that you are planning to work on specifically? Do you, do you have like, I almost don't dare to use the word like goals when it comes to your relationship with yourself? Um, or are you just happy with how things are going and you're not worried and you're just, you know, chilling in that knowledge? I definitely have intentions or directions on the way I'm working on myself um, or my relation to self. There, there is something, a big piece of work that I've um, wanted to take and I have been uh, not forced, but put by the universe, by my destiny, however you call it, uh, by, by being here and staying here. And, in 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 australia um it's commitment and being satisfied and staying positive very simple it's my uh my mom's <laughs> advice be positive always be positive and i realized that i had a very strong tendency to be very critic about everything, always looking for improving, always looking for better. The grass is always greener outside, which is the reason why I've been nomad for the last, <laughs> uh, yeah, before coming here. I don't know if this is still a nomadic journey or more long-term <laughs> stop. But yeah, the always changing, chasing better, more. Um, so this is... My intention is really to keep working on this uh, satisfaction. And I'm in Morocco. Uh, we say alhamdulillah, which is also a Muslim expression, but more like cultural than religious, really. It means, uh, and it's just a way to, it means thanks to God. And it's really a, an, an expression of gratitude for the life, just Something good happens, uh, you know, nothing bad happens, alhamdulillah. So really being this alhamdulillah mindset, I think, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. Those are hard things, right? <laughs> Commitment, satisfaction, staying positive. I very much like this idea of contentment and feeling joy in the mundane. That's something I've done a lot of work on with myself after, you know, stopping to be a nomad because I, I was a nomad as well for six years. And then I decided 
look, because of my carbon footprint, I want to drastically reduce that. So I'm just going to choose a base, which is why I'm now here in Sofia. And then this idea of finding joy in the little things that are possible when you stay in one place for longer, instead of like seeking the novelty, which is hard. And I'm, I'm very happy to admit that next week I'm, uh, I'm going to Portugal, um, well, for a sandbox retreat, actually, but I'm, I'm taking the opportunity to also just be a bit less fixed again. And I'm, I didn't book a flight back, for example, and I'm going to see what unfolds. I'm just going to go with the flow. Uh, I'm looking for that serendipity. And I feel such joy at allowing myself to do that again, even if it's just for a little bit. So it's definitely not, I definitely don't want to say that I just have to be only content with the mundane of staying in one place. I, I want to have a balance, but I'm definitely way more grounded than I used to be in, in feeling content with, with what is, and that has changed my life for the better, for sure. So yeah, I hear you. Ah, Asma, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I would like to ask you one more question before we head off. And that is, if there would have been any question that you would have loved to receive, but that I didn't ask you. Um, yeah, I actually don't have anything that comes to my mind. I had more question that I wanted to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Bring it on. That's why we're here. Uh, as a as, as a fellow a fellow recovering nomad. <laughs> um, why Sophia? Oh, that's an interesting question. I'm going to be honest, you know, uh, I'm not entirely sure there is a definite answer to that because I felt very confused about the question, where will I create a home base? And there are some rational elements to being here. Um, one of them, for example, is that it's in the European Union, so I don't need a visa. Uh, one of them is that Bulgaria is a beautiful country in terms of nature. There is so much empty space here. Uh, you know, there's, there's mountains, there's forests, there's the seaside, there's fields, there's all kinds of uh, different geographical locations. And it's relatively empty uh, as a country. There's only 7 million people here. So this spaciousness is something I really enjoy. And especially in contrast with the place where I grew up, uh, which was in the north of Belgium, that is the opposite. We don't have any nature left there. So that was very attractive to me, this place with an abundance of nature. Um, then also I felt that Sofia has always been a place where I feel peaceful. Uh, ever since I first visited this place, I just kind of feel at ease in this place. And that's just a feeling. I don't really know what that means, but like every time you go to a new place, to a new city, you immediately like have a relationship with that city. Like you feel something. And here I've always kind of felt like, huh. Yeah, this feels like a soft place, like a like a quiet, calm place. And it is, of course, like rather, rather quiet and calm. It's not like a bustling metropolis or anything like that. There's lots of trees, even in the city, lots of green. So that feels very nice. Um, I also like the Bulgarian people. I think they're they're very friendly. They're very um, accommodating. They speak English also quite well compared to some other countries. So that was also a a practical thing that I enjoyed. 
but overall yeah i don't know i i just had to make a decision i guess in the end because i had been thinking about this for for quite a while and i had several options and in the end i realized and that's one of my learnings that i keep repeating to myself making decisions is not about making the right decision because very often there is no right decision i could have chosen a different place i would have been happy but the tension about not deciding comes from the not deciding and so just having chosen just saying to myself okay i'll choose sofia this is this is my choice for now and then doing that has brought me a lot of peace and, and a lot of kind of like uh, security in a way of like having that space and finding a place that is my own um, so yeah i'm i'm happy i made that choice but i have to also be honest and say that i doubt if i have a long-term future here because the one thing that is difficult for me here is building community and well we've spoken about that that has been a challenge and i'm still working on that i'm still not giving up i'm still like you know putting in the energy, trying to be vulnerable, trying to be open. But I can see that perhaps it will be impossible to create the kind of community that I crave. And in that case, I will have to decide to either travel a bit more to hang out with the kind of people who I feel are my people or choose a different base. And that is work in progress. Portugal, hey? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely on the short list, I would say, yes. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. It resonates a lot. Um, my choice was not a choice, but a choice as well. Right. So it was kind yeah. of a forced choice. But uh, yes, thank you. Very inspiring. Thank you for the question. Really good question. And this brings our conversation to a conclusion. Thank you so much, Asma, for your wisdom and for your presence. I very much enjoyed this conversation. And I hope that in the future, perhaps we will be able to meet in person somewhere if we both travel to a place. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, inshallah. <laughs> Another in the future. Beautiful. Have a wonderful day, Asma. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. Thanks.